From the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. And now, welcome tonight's host, John the Vernomatic Verno. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the last week of Rocktober, the preferred month of thrashers and bashers around the world. As always, Thursday nights, brand new content drops. Visit the MetalMayhemROC.com website. There you'll find direct streaming links to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. While you're there, download some past shows, subscribe, review. That kind of stuff always helps. Sign up for our email list. This way you'll receive weekly updates on new shows, merch promos, free giveaways, But more importantly, it'll give you a notification for our Monday night live radio show that I host on thatmetalstation.com. It's a three-hour live radio show. I play music from the last 50 years. There's a chat room where you could sign up and get in there and talk with bangers from around the globe. It's really cool. It's a great way to bring your Metal Monday in for a landing. Tonight's show, I have the band Resistant Bite. Tommy Skeo, formerly of Tesla, he started up a new band in 2019. Tommy and Steve Stokes, the other guitarist, called me up the other day. We had a great conversation. They explained how the band got together, share their unique chemistry on writing, and we pretty much take a deep dive into the debut album. They give us their input on the different songs. I share my input. This is a great band. They have that classic 80s sound, but yet they stay current with the new landscape of 2021. The second half of tonight's show, I do an exclusive interview with rock photographer Timmy McCrum. Now, this is a good one. 40 years ago this past week, Van Halen opened up for the Rolling Stones down in Florida at the Tangerine Bowl. Van Halen was finishing up their 81 Fair Warning Tour, The Stones were on tour for their Tattoo You track across America, and Van Halen opened up. It was one of the last times Van Halen has ever opened up for anyone. Tim went there as a young rock photographer, and he's here tonight to share his story about, I'm not going to let too much out of the bag, but how he got creative about getting his equipment into this concert because it was a very tight security show at the time. It was the, when they first started using the metal wands. So Tim's here to tell us about how he got it in there, the scene that was going on, and how Van Halen went toe-to-toe with the legendary Stones in this show. So that's what we got tonight. And do us a favor. We invite you to visit podchaser.com, punch in Metal Mayhem ROC right in the search box, and we will come right up. Please rate and review these episodes. We're trying to get some traffic on the review sites for the show, and it really helps in all the analytics. So that's what we got tonight. Resistant Bite, Tommy Skeo and Steve Stokes, and Tim McCrum talking about Van Halen 40 years ago opening for the Stones. I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Let's get at it. 
Now get that popcorn ready and grab a seat. Do it! As the Vernomatic presents this week's feature interview, exclusively here on Metal Mayhem ROC. So let's see, today we got an exciting one. We have on the line from Nashville, Tennessee, I believe, or somewhere in the south, we have Tommy Skio and Steve Stokes of Resist and Bite. New album just dropped. It's a fantastic piece of uh Rock and roll, hard rock, however you want to label it. Let's get them on here. Tommy and Steve, welcome to Metal Mayhem. How you doing, man? We're in Nashville, yeah. What's going on, man? Verno. <laughs> you both are in Nashville then, I take it. We are. We're working on some new songs, just having some fun. Yeah, dude, we're already um, we're already working on the second album today. That, that's great. We're going to get a quick recap of the band. Tell us about how you guys came together give a roster lineup of the excellent new band, and then we'll take a deep dive into that debut album. Yeah, dude. Well, uh, we, you know, we were all introduced by uh, a friend of ours who is our drummer, Dave Parks. He is the, uh, he's the great connector. And uh, yeah, he, he connected us all. And Tommy and uh, Dave did the skin suit record uh, a couple years ago. And then, and then Dave was like, man, let's do this for real. Like, let's, you know, let's do, let's do a full-on band with, with you know, members and everything. So, uh, basically, Tommy gave Dave a CD, and uh, Dave came over to my house about two years ago for Thanksgiving and popped it in the CD player, and I was like, and I didn't know it was Tommy. I just, he was like, you got to check this out, man. So, I checked it out, and I was like, dude, we got to do this. This is badass. So, uh, I took the song, and put it in Pro Tools and chopped it up and added some stuff in it and uh, nailed it back to Tommy. Didn't know Tommy. Tommy didn't know me. And he's like, who is this guy, man? We got to do this. This is, this is badass. So, and that song ended up being uh, the first song that we put out, the, the myth I'm living. So who knew each other? Tommy knew Dave? Well, I knew Dave, yes, and we had done a record, and Steve and Dave were in a band for the longest time, so they knew each other, and they knew Brian. We all kind of knew each other except Nathan, and we had another singer at the very beginning, but that didn't work out, so then that's when Nathan came in, was after we were already together for a few months, and then uh, that's when it really just happened. I mean, I met Nate, I drove up to Atlanta. We got in the car, I played them all the CDs with vocals, without, whatever, and we just really kind of bonded and became friends in four or five hours on the drive up to uh, Kentucky where we were working, man, and and it's been on till the break of dawn till then. So let's see, let's get a geographical. Uh, Tommy, you live in Nashville. Steve, where do you live? I live in Florida, actually. Yeah, Tommy's in Florida. I'm in Nashville. Brian Powell, bass player, he's in Nashville. He's kind of my neighbor. He's one holler over, as we say. <laughs> and uh, Nathan Utes is a uh, singer, and he's in he's in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And Dave, uh, you know, he plays uh, he plays all all. He's all always the time. playing everywhere, all over the world. So you lives, never know where he is. Dave lives in his car. No, I'm just kidding. He lives in Cincinnati, and uh, but he comes down to Nashville and plays gigs all the time. So, okay, so it's a sort of a southern connection. And Michael Rosen produced this album. Has a long history of. Working, uh, Tommy worked with him with Tesla, Testament, uh, Death Angel, some punk stuff. How did Rosen get involved with this release? Um, you know what, man? We were thinking about producers and all kinds of people that, you know, we're doing it ourselves, whatever. And I just one day all of a sudden just, I mean, it's not like Mike wasn't on my radar. You know, I mean, I, we're friends. It's just, I just thought, man, why am I not 
what about Mike Rosen? He would be great, man, to try and get in here. And so I just called him to see if he was free. And he loved the idea. And once we sent him some songs, he was just in, you know? Yeah, he was the perfect fit for it, too. He came and uh, watched us uh, rehearse a couple of times and help us uh, to rearrange the songs to get ready to record. And it just it, it just gelled, man. And a great engineer, too. And the sound of the record's a testament to that. He, he did a great job. So the new album, debut, it doesn't have a name. What is it, just the debut album? That's the name of it, Resist and Bite? It's Resist and Bite. Resist and Bite. <laughs> 14 songs, 49 minutes, each song between three and four minutes. The production is fresh. It's easy to digest, guys. It has that very old-school sound to it, but yet not overly produced. Uh, very live sound. That's the interpretation I got. Dude, you're you're nailing it, man. That's awesome. We did it. Uh, we cut the album in 20 days at uh, Soundstage. No, no weekends off, nothing. 20 uh, days straight, brutal, straight through. Dude, 20 days straight at Soundstage in uh, Nashville, which is a really, really nice studio. Great studio. Mike got us a hookup there, and we, we camped out, man. So 20 straight days, was it a live-in studio or, well, obviously... No. We, you know, we we went, you know, it was in Nashville, so Brian and, and Steve were able to go home, and the rest of us, uh, Nate's sister was here, uh, so he went over there, and me and uh, Michael Rosen and Dave were in a, what do you call it, a Airbnb? Uh, yeah, Airbnb thing, yeah, so that was that, we just go there every morning and knock it out all day long, yep, for 20 days, 21 days straight. Tommy, you're a veteran. You know, you've been doing this 30, 40 years. And congratulations on um, uh, for sobriety. I've done some research and, uh, you know, congratulations on um, putting that behind you. The question I have here, what is the age difference of the band? Tommy, you're probably closer to 60. What What about the other guys? I'll be 60 in February. Yeah, I'm, I'm 35. So he's a little youngin'. And uh, Dave and... Uh... Dave and, and Nate and Brian are all around the same age. Uh, I guess I don't I don't know how old everyone is, but they're well. Nate's fifty something. Well, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Brian. The other guys are in their forties. Yeah. Brian and Dave are about you know ten years older than me. So we got the whole we have the whole spectrum, man. We have you know two three decades almost of uh, you know musical influence going on here. Basically, I was rocking when 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 Steve got spit out. <laughs> yeah, Tommy. This is like your trophy band. You know, older guys get married for the second time, have a trophy wife. It sure is a special thing. I, I don't think of it so much like that as much as just, it's just been great. Everything just flows really easily. Everything we do just seems to happen and be just, we do stuff effortlessly and have really a lot of fun doing it. And everything turns out really cool. And I'm just, I'm really happy with that. And it's, it's just a lot of fun. And I never, who knew that I would have another great band? I mean, I thought maybe, you know, Tesla was the last thing for me. And I'm not a real smoozer kind of guy. So to have another band have gotten together all natural, how I like things to happen is kind of a a big deal, you know? And and who would have thought that I would have another band with this kind of energy and this, this, this awesomeness again, you know, it's, it's, it's great. Let's talk about these songs, how they come together. Were they conceived in the studio? Was it stuff that, any leftovers or is it just fresh resistant bite material? Oh man, it's, it's, it's all brand new. Um, Tommy was kind of the, you know, the, the main songwriter on the album. We have some collaboration like I and uh, scream. We, we, we did together and uh, 
But yeah, for the most part, I mean, Tommy's uh, it, he's got a little assembly line over. It. Yeah, and it's not it wasn't by design or anything like that. It's just that those are the songs that happen. I mean, as, as we speak now, just last night we finished a song of Steve. So trying to get an incorporate and we want the next record to be have a little bit of a different vibe so so yeah but we're all right and stuff and it just it, it, again it came together very effortlessly we just would put out a piece of music nate would write over it and boom beautiful song and it would happen over and over and over pretty great yeah and we you know we fleshed all these songs out we did like pretty much full-blown demos for them at my little studio and yeah. uh and uh actually that's how we did myth that's how that one came out but then we you know we decided to do a fully produced album so we we already had everything kind of demoed out so we knew the parts that we wanted to do when we went to the studio which is pretty cool what's interesting is like myth is basically the very first song we recorded together that recording that we put out it was a demo and we had a radio interview so we thought we better bring something and it just happened that you know that song worked out we put a video to it and that's like, and that's our first time, first met Steve the day we recorded that. I mean, there's just something there, man. It's been a good fit, man. It's a good fit. Yeah. All right. Well, right off the start, uh, I have two favorite songs. One of my first favorite, Till Tomorrow. Very old school kind of uh, happy 80s song. Sounds like it has the perfect recipe for maybe the next single if you'd ever want to go that way. surprised that that was the song that I usually it's a more rocking song people go for but I love that song and you know what the way it's going we're just putting out a video for every song I mean I wouldn't be surprised if we get done with this record and we have a video for more than half for more than half the songs on the record but uh that's a great song love it dude that's a great song it has a has a lot going on in there a lot of a lot of layers I think we might have driven Mike a little crazy with yeah that. it's got it's got beat mandolin acoustic guitars oh dude first time i played a b3 ever in my life was on that record on that track and man it's like operating a spaceship man it was fun a lot of fun don't get me wrong i like a lot of the heavier stuff but my top two maybe today you know saturday there was two different ones but the song crazy that song really kicks ass i think it's just i think it's just something where it uh reminds me of a better time they're just uplifting songs that's so cool, man. I'm glad you're you're getting a, a get. You know, it's conjuring up a feeling from you because a lot of our songs do that for me. They conjure up colors and feelings and vibes. And that song, man, it's like got a pop thing going on, but it really rocks at the same time. Love it, man. I love how my guitars with the vocal on the choruses. It's just pretty rad. 
Now, uh, the album starts off, I think, the heaviest song on the album, a darker song, Blood On Me. As I digested it six or seven times, I started really feeling the sequence of the album. Why Blood On Me as the opener? I don't know, man. It just kind of, it kind of, it just kind of fell together that way. We were contemplating having Fate be first, but we didn't want to start it with that kind of hip hoppy intro, you know. Yeah, and there wasn't much of a discussion. It was like Mike said it should absolutely be that. We were already kind of on that page. Everyone was just like, yeah, it's yeah, that, it just, you know? it's got a killer intro on it. It's just a nice way to kind of ease into it. Although it eases into it pretty quickly, and then it turns gets pretty metal right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's actually my favorite song on the, on the album because it, it has it has every element of, of music that I, I like. I mean, it's got it's got '80s metal, it's got '90s metal, and it's got the the uh, you know the harmonized priest solo in the middle, and and, and has a drum solo too. Yeah, that so, long roll he does at the end is rad. Yeah. Well, I'm going to save the rest of my input on these other songs, but that leads me to your guys' favorite songs on this. What holds a special place for you? Yeah, we were talking about that the other day, and I said fate, and I, I that's still kind of a man there, you know. And someone just posted on my Facebook thing today; they love the the jams I'm doing in between all the verses and parts in fate, and I really like that, man. I, fate's got just a rocking thing, but man, it's I can't say that truthfully because, of course, I love the whole record, man. It's crazy. Yeah, man, it's got uh, a little bit of everything on there. It's it's kind of hard to choose wh- what your favorite song is because it's you know it's a Depends on what kind of mood you're in, really. But yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, blood, blood will be mine. If I had to choose a second favorite, I got, I got to put away my inner metalhead, and I would want to say up in flames. But put, putting that aside, scream is a really badass song, yeah. and that one kind of fell together. That's one that Dave uh, kind of came up with the idea for, and then Tommy wrote the, the riff, and then, and then we kind of fleshed the rest of it out in the studio, which was kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool, different for us. Yeah. is a really cool song um it's kind of a, a simpler song but the way we recorded it was totally badass i mean that is the only full 
blown song on the record that we recorded live. That what you hear there is completely live. Say what you want. No, well, yeah, say what you want. The, the last song, the acoustic. Uh, but home is is all live. The guitar solo is live. The only thing we overdubbed was uh, background harmony. I mean, his vocals live. Yeah, the it's vocal crazy. is live. The vocals, the whole. That's what my notes have. Home, uh, '80s feel to ish. Great. This must be a great live song. Totally impromptu, middle of the set kind of song. Dude, that's so funny you say that because live man people seem to really eat it up, and I never even saw that. I don't know where that comes from, but that's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. We didn't think that people would dig it live because it's kind of slower, and we we just busted it out at a show, and they loved it. Went crazy. Well, let's give your bass player Brian Powell some love. According to the Vernomatic uh, notes, let's see on bombs. There comes that bass again. Uh, killer bass. Uh, fate bass is grooving. Tell us about Brian. What kind of uh, input did he have in on this? Because that bass is killing. We just tell him what to do. Okay. He, <laughs> oh, man. Dude, Brian, Brian had never played with the pick before, which surprised me because he's he's from um he's from the north northwest, you know, uh, just outside Portland, Vancouver, Washington, and uh, he's he's a he's a punk guy, punk metal guy, you know. Maybe I'm speaking too too much for him here, but I mean, I was surprised that he never played. Yeah, he never uh, played with, with a the pick, pick when we got him playing with a pick. And uh yeah, dude, so yeah, the intro on uh I think he uses a bass while that he's got yeah, this, yeah. it's it's really, really cool. Yeah, so that's a that's a great way to kick that one off. We're talking with Tommy Skio, Steve Stokes of the band Resistant Bite, brand new album, the debut albums out everywhere. Visit resistantbite.com. There you'll find all their socials and all that stuff you need to stay in touch with the band. Now, I have some more uh, quick questions about the album. Maybe you can answer them. You two are the guitarists. So how do you split up the leads? Is there an arrangement you have? Is it 90, 10, Tommy, Steve? No, we don't. It's, that's, again, just something that, just like in Tesla, we never talk about that stuff. We just kind of, it's funny, in this band, we talk about, like, at first I started doing a lot of the songs, and because of that, on the demos, I played a lot of the solos. So at first I was doing a lot of the solo. So if we talk about it ever, it's just like we got to get you in playing more leads and more harmonies. And now we're we're starting to get there with that. So it's it's cool. Yeah, you know, Tommy and I both do full blown demos for things before we show them to each other or anyone else in the band. And and by default, we usually go ahead and you know put a guitar solo on it because we can't we can't help ourselves, right. you know. So and Tommy just he already had you know he had more more time to write on the last album, so. He ended up taking a little bit of the, the lion's share on it, but we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, we just, we just go for it, man. We, like he said, we don't really, we don't really, we try and keep everything natural and flowing and we don't really talk about stuff much and just kind of let it happen. Maybe say, Hey, let's get together. And then, you know, we just go from there, man. We just rock like that. It's awesome. We love harmonized leads, but we try not to overdo it. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this probably may be a Nathan question, but uh, who is Mary? That's the mother Mary. That's uh, that's Jesus. I don't know, man. That's some Jesus shit in uh, Nate's mind or something. I'm not sure what's going on there. To tell you the truth, but I love it. It's a song about uh, I don't. It's way. This is definitely Nate's alley, but I yeah. mean, you know, it's rosary beads in there. You know, it's very, it's very much. Uh, it's one of them songs that conjures up a vibe again, like we were talking about earlier, which is what I love about it. Although I don't know exactly what he's saying. And, and we're not a, we're not a Christian band, but uh, Nathan definitely is uh, into that. He's very, yeah. very yeah. Spiritual and it comes out in, in his lyrics on, on a few of the songs. Yeah. Well, my, my notes for that um, has a very Western twang to it. 
they're definitely reaching for something. Um, it's got thing going. Yeah, that was uh, Mike. I think that you're referring to probably that little acoustic thing in the beginning. That was Mike's addition. Mike's like, hey, pick up the acoustic, go go do some some licks, you know, like you're on the front porch there or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what it was. It was like, um, yeah, yeah, just a twangy kind of thing. Uh, let's see, uh, the instrumental afterneath, uh, oh. conscious effort to have an instrumental. Was it a just never read lyrics? Kick ass little piece. Happened there is it was a song that I demoed. And Nate never or no one ever put any lyrics to it. And one day Dave just said, you know what? That that song could be a an instrumental. And we thought about it and, and kind of tossed the idea around for a while. And by the time we got to the record, we were sold on it. And it became an instrumental. And now we're thinking about putting one on the next record. And, and also not by design, just because we happen to have another song like that that didn't get used lyrically and just stands on its own musically. So it's kind of happening naturally, really. Just like I said, and that's a real key thing in all this, I believe. Yeah, each of these songs has its own vibe. If it's a rocker, it rocks. If it's a mellow, hate the way use the term poppy, it's it's good. It's 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 fantastic. There's like rock and stuff that has different, like crazy, where it's got a pop influence, but it's definitely rocking and that that kind of mixture. I love that stuff. Like up in flames. Oh, dude, Up in Flames is kind of a, a throw to Judas Priest. It begins yeah. with the, you know, the big synth thing, and then Tommy comes in on the, the tremolo guitar, you know, and then Dave kicks it off. drums kill this song's a rocker what is this tempton and kk yeah yeah <laughs> twig guitar attack swear there to god go. those are my notes so um that's funny dude it's fun recording that one uh i was uh doing that harmony on the uh on the verse and i was doing it every other time tommy's like do it every time you got to do it every time we got to do this the right way i don't know i just love it Last song on the album, Say What You Want. My interpretation, another 80s kind of song. Is there a ukulele in it? <laughs> it's a mandolin. Oh, okay. That was another uh, moment song. That was the very last thing that we did in the studio. Last day. On the 20th day, after celebrating finishing the album all night the night before <laughs> yeah. in Midtown Nashville. And uh, we went in, and Mike's like, hey, man, how about that acoustic song? I, I got all the mics set up. Why don't you guys just go jam it out? So we did it live, and there it is. Last little bit of comment. It goes to the Say What You Want song again. It has a little bit of a Zeppelin tangerine feel. Were you guys, okay. all, when you were doing it at the end, were, were you, now that you explained the scenario, were you all sitting there, one take, just do it? Is that how it was? Yep. Rocking. I love that song. I didn't, man. Yeah. 
that. That's, Thank you very much. I'm gonna take that as a compliment. I love, dude. Tangerine is one of my one of my favorite songs. That's weird that you said that's that's pretty that's a pretty B side song. Well, it has that feel that um, it's not too serious, and sometimes those songs that are just thrown together, not out of non preparation, but just the feeling of it, those are the best. You know, it's just that it. song. By the way, that's uh, yeah. That's Nay a, wrote that a long time ago. That song he's had in he's a he's a beach guy, man, and that's it's got a kind of a beachy vibe to it, and uh, he's been holding on to it forever, man. And and that's you know it was it was time to cut it. So he played it for us one day, and we're like, dude, we should rock that. So you started the interview off the phone call saying that you're in the studio doing stuff for the follow-up. Um, We're just on some songs over at Steve's, yeah. Uh, what's <laughs> the, uh, tell us a little bit about this Halloween gig you got going on this weekend with Eddie Trunk and the costume. Well, what's this all about? Uh, uh, October 31st, Halloween. We're going to be at Mad Life in Woodstock, Georgia, which is right outside of Atlanta, and uh, Seven Year Witch is going to open up, and Eddie Trunks is, is going to host the show, which is going to be awesome. We are super excited about it. We've been rehearsing all weekend for it, actually. So now uh, we got we're, we're using our bonus day here to, to track some track some songs. But yeah, um, we definitely want to invite everyone to go go get tickets if you're in the, in the area. You know, it's going to be it's gonna yeah, be if you're not, I'm flying in. You know, what Rocky. is now? You haven't had much chance to play consistently what are the touring plans what's 2022 involve what's the landscape looking like as we speak we're trying to get on anything we can get on a little tour where we can get seen by someone else's fans anything really we're just we got another show in january at the beginning of next year but in between them we're just trying to play wherever we can man even if it's one-off spot shows we'll do that if we can get on a little run that would be good whatever we're just uh keeping it open you know, times are still a little, uh, little, little weird. Getting less weird. Uh, we had big plans last summer. You know, we, we had a uh, a little little run scheduled, and obviously that didn't work out. But yeah, we, we're 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 ready to get back at it. And uh, just you know, just uh, just the times, man. <laughs> Again, the band Resist and Bite debut album is out. Visit resistandbite.com. There you'll find all their socials and all that stuff you need to stay in touch with the band i've been talking with tommy skio and steve stokes guys thanks for uh spending the afternoon with me um i hope this interview has laid down a template for the listeners it's a uh, it's a fantastic release and uh, again congratulations on making uh instantly my one in my top 10 of the year thank you thank you thank you very much for having us man Berno, we love you man thanks for having us you're welcome, guys. We'll stay in touch, and always remember, keep it heavy. All right, man. Rock on. See you, guys. Attention, metalheads. We all want to return to concert venues soon. Introducing Metal Mayhem ROC Metal Forever Freedom X Sanitizer. This sanitizer product is water and foam-based, manufactured with proprietary HYIQ solution. That's right, no alcohol, but more effective. Manufactured following FDA sanitizer monograph guidelines. It applies smooth without irritating the skin. Safe for all ages. Keep your friends and family safe with Metal Mayhem ROC's own sanitizer. Visit Metal Mayhem MROC.com or MetalForever.com to order your bottles now. Use promo code METAL at the Freedom X checkout store for a show discount. Now, now back to Metal Mayhem ROC. Just want to remind you folks, uh, Monday nights I host the Metal Mayhem ROC live radio show. 
on thatmetalstation.com. It's three hours of live metal from the last 50 years from the Vernomatics Vault. We uh, have a chat room where you could uh, set up an account, come in, talk with other bangers around the country, send me requests, and it's just a good time. It's a great way to bring your Metal Monday in for a landing. Talking about a good time, my next guest had the chance to capture Van Halen with his camera. 40 years ago this weekend, this past weekend, Van Halen finished up their uh, Fair Warning Tour opening for the Stones down in Florida. Let's welcome photographer and Van Halen fanatic Tim McCrum to Metal Mayhem ROC. Hey, Tim, how are you, buddy? Hey, brother. Greetings from Long Island, New York. How are y'all doing? Well, we're doing all right. It's uh, as we tape this conversation, it's about 40 degrees and rainy. So it looks like we're ready for our eight month of uh, dreary weather. But other than that, things are good. We're ready to talk Van Halen. So I hear you got a story and a half to share with us. Just going to let you go. What do you got for us, bud? Well, back when I was 19 years old, I saw a need and searched out a way to make a living. And I wanted to be a rock and roll photographer. And I thought the best thing to do was go out and shoot the bands that were pertinent and uh, take them to, you know, places where I could sell these photos. Back then, it was a place called uh, Flea World, which was in Sanford, Florida, right outside Orlando. And it had over 1,100 tables. And it was open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I took my photos of Prince, Madonna, whoever I thought would be, you know, someone that would make it big. Duran Duran was big, and I would make enlargements and just sell photos. And, you know, being right in the center of the state, I would travel to Tampa, uh, you know, within a couple hours, you know, and try to see the band one or twice to get a feel for the show and, and try to, you know, capture the moments that you remember that stuck out in the show so you'd have them, you know, memories of them in print. Sure. Now, Tim, were you a professional photographer or a hobbyist? I wasn't even an amateur. I was, I was a photographer wannabe that was just out of high school, and I did take photography in high school as one of my courses, you know, black and white, going in the dark room and developing your own film. So I, I fell in love with it, and I loved rock and roll. I love music. Music is a big part of my life. You know, it makes me sets me free and covers up the bad times and makes everything feel a little bit better. So uh, I was actually there to see the Stones because Van Halen in 1981 had been around for a couple years and you knew they were going to make the scene, but I had never seen them live and I did not have that 1979 album that came out, Van Halen 1. So looking forward to shooting them, but I was really there to see the Stones, but boy was I... uh, when I saw Van Halen, I just snapped everything that I could of the, of the band from uh, their very first song. The set lasted maybe an hour and a half. And uh, I had taken three rolls of film with me, 36 exposure back then. Everything was on film. It wasn't no digital. And I actually shot over two of my rolls of film of Van Halen. It was just, I couldn't stop. And I knew I had to save some film for the Stones. I left maybe a half, uh, maybe 20 pictures of film for the Stones. But uh, it was quite a show. And I had heard they had said that they would be using metal detectors 
at the show when you come into the gate because uh, the Stones had some history with uh, people bringing knives and stuff in and violence. So I went there the day before the show and scoped out uh, Tinkerfield slash uh, the Orlando Tangerine Bowl and went under the stand and buried my camera and my two lenses under the stand where they had the concession stand carts and buried it in the mulch and the pea grit and wrapped it in like eight plastic bags and taped it up all real, real airtight. I still did ruin one of my lenses, my best lens, but uh, that's how I got my equipment in. And uh, the rest is history. Now, let, let, let me ask you, so uh, to set this table here, they're playing the Tangerine Bowl and the capacities anywhere between, for a concert, 60 to 70,000 people, I would imagine, correct? That is correct. 65 is like seating capacity. They sold 80,000 tickets for the two-day show, the Saturday show and a Sunday show. Tickets were $17.50. Henry Paul Band was the opening act. And then Van Halen, and then the Stones. It was uh, ninety plus degrees with eighty thousand people jammed in on the ground. Everything was general admission. There was no, you know, assigned seating. And uh, I, I got as close as I could. Dude, did they have a lot of shows at the Tangerine Bowl? I remember us. Uh, they did. Zeppelin would sell out there, and I'm sure the Grateful Dead did their thing down there. I know it was the late or uh, early 80s coming off the 70s with right. those big stadium tours. Yeah, they would. Well, Van Halen and the Stones were the only show that did a, you know, two-day gig there. But they did have, you know, uh, bands like Boston, the Doobie Brothers come through, Fleetwood Mac, John Cougar, bands like that. The Who played there. They were one of the bigger bands. Uh, that are that stick out in my memory, uh, but yeah, they would have probably maybe six or eight shows a year there from the late seventies. They graduated in seventy nine, uh, and I I'm going to say they probably stopped around eighty seven or eighty eight. Like the Fleetwood Mac show, I think was one of the last shows they had there. I don't know why they stopped, but they yeah. did. The concert landscape changed, and it was arenas and whatnot. Right. So they got the two dates there. You find out that they have enhanced security. So you come right. up with a plan to go to the stadium a couple days before and securely package out. your equipment. You bury it. Now, right. you, now you go back to the stadium the day of. Quick question. How right. much sleep did you get the night before anticipating getting up early and going there? Well, I didn't know what to expect. So the concert started at either noon or one o'clock. Gates open, were supposed to open at 10. They didn't open till like 11. And I went to my spot where all the carts were parked and they were gone. But unfortunately it was kind of where it was now roped off where I couldn't get to it. And like, I just had to kind of wait till there was nobody around and just, it was in pea grit. So it wasn't dirt, but I went over there and I saw where I had planted a little piece of a little plastic flag, the market. And I just pulled the bag up and just kind of put it under my t-shirt and walked away. And then 
put everything together. And then my goal was to get as close as I could, you know, it was, uh, get up close. And I got within maybe 20 feet of the stage, uh, just by, you know, just doing whatever I had to do to get up there. And I was up to the stage probably by noon, right in time for, you know, Henry Paul, his big song back then was Grey Ghost. It, you know, it was, it was, it was incredible. It was, you know, for Henry Paul, it wasn't crazy, but when Van Halen took the stage, they were hosing people off with the hoses, high, you know, high power water hoses, cannons, like water cannons, uh, to try to keep the people calm down and maybe push them back a little bit. Cause the crush was on to get up stage coming from halfway back, you know, coming from the 50 yard line up to the stage, crushing people and they were ended up having to you know take people out over the the barricade to uh get them aid because they were getting crushed you know and passing out from the heat and stuff so the hoses were to cool people off have you ever shot a concert like this like one of these uh harder acts or more no nothing similar to it at all uh my first show was a duran duran show at lakeland civic center where they had maybe ten or 12,000 people. And at that show, my camera got confiscated by security and not given back to me to the end of the show. But uh, unfortunately, they took my film out of the camera. They made me yeah. give up my film, which was not happy with. So I ended up going the next night to another show, and I learned my lesson. You make your way up. How close were you for Van Halen? when? Uh, I'm going to say 15 to 20 people deep. So I'm going to say within 20 feet of the stage, maybe 30 feet. What was it like when the band was, was announced and they come out and you're trying to shoot? Well, it, it, well, there was no shooting involved. When they came out, it was a crush of being everybody, you know, trying to slide through, but there was, you were packed in like sardines. And uh, when they came out, it was just, it was kind of like just hang on for your life. So, you know, and I had my camera equipment. That's all I cared about. But uh, there was no way to even take pictures until, you know, after everything calmed down, maybe into the second song before it got calmed down. You know, I was, once you're in that spot, you weren't moving. You were there for, you know, the rest of the set, which was fine with me. I couldn't have got any closer. I couldn't have even backed out of there if I wanted to. You are, you know, skin tight with whoever, you know, covered in sweat. Uh, getting shot every once in a while with the water. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. <laughs> so Van Halen comes that 81 set list was fantastic. They run right. through, um, you know, about uh, 10 to 12 songs. Would they have some, uh, you know, the bass solo, drum solo. Eddie did his yep. thing. Dave came out and told his story about the newspaper critic at, I found out that that was something that he normally did. And then when he was done with the story, he showed his back to the stage and like, what the fuck's he going to do? He pulls his pants down, bends over and sends a full moon for the uh, newspaper critics. They said, here, this is for you. Same thing like an Angus Young did at an ACDC concert. And I do have a shot of his ass bent over all white. Uh, That one hasn't been posted yet, but I do have it. So Van Halen kills it uh, right. in between the sets. Now the Stones come out. How are the Stones? 
The Stones were awesome. They opened up with Time Is On My Side. Uh, there's actually video footage of that song on YouTube, but there is not one piece of video of the Van Halen show ever produced, ever thrown, and not one piece known to mankind. And I know this because of a museum in Orlando was asking me if I knew anybody, you know, they have some of my work hanging up in Orlando uh, from the Tebow concert series, but not one piece of video was shot that anybody knows of other than a couple stone songs. So time is on my side is one and under my thumb was another one that someone shot uh, pretty good quality for back then for 81. But uh, people keep saying there's got to be bootleg. There's got to, there's no bootleg even of, of that show. And I don't even know if there's any audio of Van Halen, of Van Halen. None, none known to mankind. It's just if anybody knows, please share it with us. Yeah, well, you know, us Van Halen heads, uh, we've been looking for the holy grail any video footage or audio footage of that 81 right. tour. There's some boots yeah. out there, there's a high quality uh, Carolina one and Memphis and whatnot, and right, but so now yeah. th- they had a, they played two dates. Did you make it to the next day too? Or I, I wanted to, but I was just exhausted and, and used and abused. I had my pictures uh, developed that night uh, through one of the uh, processing places, and I was pretty happy and surprised with the results uh, because my lenses they had got some moisture in them, so I didn't know how they were going to turn out. But being that it was bright light, you know, it was the lighting was awesome because it was, you know, right in the middle of the day. And uh, I was happy with what I had had, and I just couldn't wait to get out to the flea market. So Sunday I took, uh, I, I had triplicates of every shot. So instead of just getting one picture, I made them have made three. And I sold every picture I had that Sunday of the Saturday show. Tim, where can people go and see these pictures? Do you have a platform where they can view them? Well, uh, if you want to go to my Facebook page, I'm not on there that much anymore, but uh, they're there. And my Facebook page is Tissue Timmy. I'm a car salesman. So tissue. when you sell a card invoice, it's called Tissue. So I kind of picked that name up many years ago. But Tissue Timmy McCrum, M-C-C-R-U-M. And you can see them there. And also the Van Halen News Desk, that's Van Halen News Desk, uh, has a story and maybe 15 or 20 of my pictures from that show uh, on there. And uh, you can see them there. And I also still have the negatives to every shot. And uh, if you're interested, you could uh, seek me out. I'm not looking to make a lot of money. I'm just looking to share the love of uh, Van Halen. I got them uh, 8 by 10s and some canvases, 8 by 10 and 11 by 14 and 16 by 20. People listening to this will have the Tim's links that he just mentioned in our show notes on this episode, so don't worry about jotting it down or whatnot. We'll have direct links to it. Before we get out of here, your, your photography career kept going after this weekend, and you had a chance to shoot Van Halen uh, again in 1984? Yes, I did very, very well with the Van Halen uh, photos. So when the 84 album uh, tour got announced, I was 
sure to go. Opening night was in Jacksonville, Florida, a little 10,000-seat arena right on the on the river there, the St. John's River. And uh, I got to catch all three shows in the Florida area, which was uh, Lakeland, uh, Lakeland Civic Center and the Hollywood Sportatorium. And I had the pleasure of being beaten up by the security at the uh, Hollywood Hollywood show because I was, you know, selling my enlargements out of my trunk of my 69 Firebird and they made sure they ripped up all my pictures and put a little bit of a beating and then they served me with a court summons to appear for bootlegging which they never followed up on nor did I but uh, I, you know shot 84 very, very carefully tried to get a press pass but they would not grant me one back then because I was a nobody 24 year old kid and uh, I got awesome, awesome, awesome for all three shows so there's some of my best work and I have probably a couple hundred shots from each show beautiful, beautiful shots and these can be viewed at your uh, Facebook page too? yep, they're on there and if, like I say, there's a specific band member that you like I had snuck my lens into that show which was a 300 millimeter and I was about 10 feet away from the stage on Eddie's side. And uh, beautiful, beautiful shots. And as well as some of the most spectacular stage lighting. Because they, I don't know if you knew, they traveled, I want to say, with seven or eight or it could have been 17 or 18 semi-tractor trailer loads of equipment, stage, and lighting for that show. Huge stage for 1984. Yeah, it was incredible. And they were on fire. Uh, 84 has to be, you know, their biggest album, I'm thinking, of sales-wise. And just phenomenal music from front to back. So it's all good stuff. And uh, I enjoyed doing the pictures. And then the flea market scene kind of died out in the late 80s. And that's when I started selling cars. I turned my salesmanship to uh, selling Subarus, that kind of stuff. And enjoyed it. So I, I shot, I, I'm still shooting. I, I got, you know, Van Halen work from uh, when they just toured uh, in fi- uh, 14 and 15 uh, with Wolf, Wolfgang. So uh, they played a couple shows here in Long Island on Jones Beach. And I got, you know, some great, great shots of Eddie doing what he does with his son, you know, and God rest his soul. One of the king of rock and rolls is gone, but he's not forgotten. My favorite band of all time, Van Halen, and just memories that I'll never forget in that show in 81, the last show, their Fair Warning Tour. I live my life like there's no tomorrow. I'm a Van Halen fan, and for me, Van Halen's a lifestyle. You know, turn it up as loud as you can go and sit back and enjoy. That's right. Tim McCrum, thank you for uh, sharing your experience. Pleasure's all mine. All right, my friend. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, take care of yourself, and we'll be in touch. Yes, John. Thank you for your time and reaching out, and uh, keep on rocking, brother. All right, man. Talk to you. Be good. Peace.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.